going to do that. And um, all of these go on podcasts on iTunes if you're, if you're interested. And also the meditation I do separate, so you can even just do the meditation part. Um, and uh, we know with meditation, and many of you are seasoned meditators, you've come a lot, if you've come before, uh, meditation helps you connect even more deeply to yourself and to whatever's going on in you, and also you know, being able to focus your attention into anything you want to get clarity on or connect with or you know once you start kind of finding it like a safe refuge to go inside um, it ends up being kind of addictive a little bit like like I know whenever I'm stressed that the best thing to do is to go in right rather than to like just switch off and shut down and escape and you know all these things so um, the more you can become okay with that and the more you feel comfortable there the more your life really can transform you know by being with anything but what we do is sold because I think it's, it's hard to just throw you in with silence and say, okay, shut your eyes, focus on your breath, good luck, right? Most people can't do that. They, they're really too distracted for that unless you're practicing every day. If you're practicing every day, five, five minutes a day and you start building up 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes, so then you can sit in the silence and, it's, and the silence becomes your friend in a way. Otherwise, I think silence is like a bit threatening for people and they bounce out of it and they can't handle it. They don't like it and they're distracted. And, so what we do at Soul is I guide you into a deeper place, as you know, and, um, and then we kind of focus our attention onto something that's related, to, like that, uh, that's related to, thanks, you can press the actual buzzer that says door, and it she'll, yeah, if you just hold it, because she's going to go through, yeah, and um, we focus our attention onto a topic. So Hanukkah, I just really wanted to throw out... <laughs> Wait, well, did you, is it she in? Yeah. Okay. Oh. No? It's like double doors, yeah. You get stuck in the middle and you're like, oh, I'm trapped. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> did you find any stragglers? No, I put up a sign though. Okay, thanks. So hopefully... Come, sit. Okay. So um, we're just discussing uh, Hanukkah. And how there's a couple themes of Hanukkah that I want I wanted to highlight. There's many levels of Hanukkah. What are what are some themes of Hanukkah that you are aware of? Like as far as one. The theme a deeper theme of Hanukkah that the, the, the festival. Not just the story or the history, but just the, the deeper theme that's relevant to our lives today. I think about uh, bringing the light, going up from darkness, and uh, I think it can relate a lot to the soul, the consciousness that Sometimes we get stuck in the dark, the dark stuff, and we, we kind of don't see the light, and we go deep, and we can go to depression or feel yes. bad, and we don't show, we don't talk to nobody, we're deep in the dark, and it's kind of like going up to the light, and so. So Hanukkah for you is about finding the light in the darkness. Well, when I think about the light and the darkness of Hanukkah, so in the community, that's what's yes. Great. So that means that, that there's a potential in this holiday to actually be able to do that, to find that light in the darkness at that moment. Hi, welcome. Hello. Um, to find that light in the darkness. And, um, and it's interesting because Hanukkah comes at the darkest time of the year as well, physically, right? It's the early, the sun sets the earliest, it's the longest night. So that's not a coincidence. And I think it also changes our energy. Yes. Go, with, go inside. Everybody's ready, like, to new beginnings. Yes. Like, ah, breathe, kind of like... Yes. 
And it's also the interest, like if you if you compare it in spiritual light and dark. So what's the one of the most spiritually light time of year is when or inspiring time of year? Shana. Yes, Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> Don't save them next time. Sorry, I was like, and yeah, Rosh Hashanah is the most inspiring, right? most inspiring time. Meaning, people are the most inspired in their year. They set new goals and like new resolutions. I'm going to be different. I want to. It's nearly like the lights are on around Rosh Hashanah, right? The lights are on. I can see clearly um, now. The clouds are gone. No, um, right? I can see clearly, and I and I'm and I'm inspired, and I really, really sincerely want to change my my year. And then by now, by Hanukkah time, we're in the dark. It's like, what were those goals? It was like so long ago, I can't remember. Like it really is very hard, like foggy, to remember that clarity and that inspiration that we had in Rosh Hashanah. And, um, and uh, that's really the test. The test is when you're in the dark and you don't see clearly, can you stay true to what you believed? Yeah, are you going to be like, in Judaism we know that that the, it, the test is not about what you believe. You have to know what you believe. It's important to know what you believe and explore it. But the real test of life is are you going to be faithful to that which you believe? When? When the time is dark. When it's dark in my life and I don't see clearly, am I going to be faithful to that which I believe? All right? That I know to be true, even though I don't feel it in the moment or even though it's foggy, even though it's hard. And that's what we're sitting in now. That's the opportunity now is to just stay committed to whatever it is that you set around Rosh Hashanah. Whatever your goal was, even if you can't feel that inspiration and the clarity, just just try as much as you can to stay committed or go, and just recommit to that, whatever that was for you. That makes sense, right? That's, that's one of the tests and the opportunities. And you have no idea how much spiritual merit that you create for yourself if you can even do that a little bit now because you're in the dark. Now's the time you really rack up a lot of merit. It's easy when the lights are on and you're inspired. You don't really get credit for it anyway because it was kind of happening in the environment. And God creates an opportunity for you to, to feel that. That's like Elul is, is wow. You know, it's all inspiring. Everything is extra divine assistance in Elul the month before Rosh Hashanah to change and grow. We've discussed this, right? And Rosh Hashanah comes and you're on a high. You don't get, you don't get so much credit for that. It's an opportunity, a window to change. But now is when you get the big credit. When it feels like it's hard, I just want to sit and watch Netflix and eat chocolate. That's all I want to do, right? Like, maybe it's just me. I um, know? Oh okay, good. <laughs> you relate to it. So, so like, that's, I just rather do that than, than do, do what's hard and what's right and what I know to be true and what I want deep down, right? That's so where meditation can be good as well because you can get clarity again by checking in in a deeper way. What do I really want? What's, what's important to me right now? Like Shabbat's brilliant for that also because you're just taking a step away from your weekday. And if you do a meditation on Shabbat, it's a double whammy, right? Because you get that double internal tune-in. Um, even if you're not keeping all of Shabbat, but if on Shabbat you do a meditation, there's extra help. Yeah, there's extra, you get extra access to a high level of your soul. You know this on Shabbat, right? On Shabbat, there's five levels of your soul. On Shabbat, you get access to a higher level of your own soul. So you get more spiritual clarity on Shabbat. No matter what you're doing, no matter you don't have to be keeping all of Shabbat to get that, right? Um, but I know that when I meditate on Shabbat, it's like a whole different level than if I meditate during the week. Yeah, I, I notice it top, like tangibly myself. Okay, so um, so one of the themes is darkness and and bringing out the light from the darkness. Um, another theme is really what was the battle of the what's the battle of Hanukkah about? There was, a, there was a big war, right? So it's interesting. Oh, it's another question I'll get to later. But there's a big war, the Maccabees. Yeah, you've heard of the Maccabees. 
the big war and we won. We won. We shouldn't have won, really. We, were, we, were like, we weren't really soldiers. It was really a bunch of priests, like Cohen and him, that were fighting. It's like a, a bunch of Rosh Hashivas taking on the U.S. Marine Corps, right? It's like a bunch of, think of like the nerdy yeshiva bachers going out to war, untrained, and fighting against the U.S. Marine Corps. Like, it doesn't make sense, right? And we won. So, so what, but what was the fight over? Like, why did we have to go to war? Do you know? What was the actual Hanukkah fight about? They didn't let them to be Jewish, right? Correct. It was assimilation. Right. So what, well, yes, they wanted us to assimilate. The Greeks at the time wanted us to assimilate, meaning they wanted us to get rid of our own culture and our own traditions and our own spirituality. And they wanted us to integrate into the, into the world at large. Um, and what was their value system at the time? If you've spoken already, you can't answer. Just yet. What was, what was the culture at the time? What were the values at the time? It wasn't just to, it wasn't just to, to, to assimilate us. It, there was a specific value system. It was Hellenistic. Yeah, which was what? What was the value system? Um, I don't know how you explain that. Uh, they're, they're materialistic. Right. So they focused on beauty and the form of the physical as the, nth, as the ideal, as the nth degree. It was like beauty for the sake of itself rather than... Right, rather than beauty as a, a way to appreciate something deeper, or a beauty as a way to connect to God, or right. So it was beauty for the sake of beauty, meaning the whole Olympian god figure type from the Olympics of like idolizing physicality came out of that. Right now, we, we enjoy sports in the Olympics. There's nothing wrong with that. But the idea of that value system being the be all and end all—that physicality and superficiality, materialism—is the god, so to speak. It's the ideal. That that was the value system and. Really, that is still the, the Western culture at large still focuses a lot on that Hellenistic view, right? There's individuals within the, the culture that don't, but the actual culture we know, right? Look at turn on the television, look at an ad, you know, it's, 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 the illusion is that if I'm physically perfect and beautiful, I'll be really happy, right? That's the ideal. And so what they were trying to do was, was stamp out the spiritual light of Torah, which was obviously about the inner beauty, the inner light. And it was a, it was a spiritual battle. So in Judaism, we know that when there's a spiritual battle, we have to pick up weapons and fight, right? Purim was a physical battle, so we fought it spiritually. So whenever, right, we, we, we actually fought it through the fasting and through... So whenever there's a physical... Uh, this was a spiritual battle, so we had to fight for it. And um, there was you know, obviously enormous divine assistance. It, was, it didn't make any sense at all on any physical level that, that we won. Um, but there's, a, there's, there's, there's an idea here of... And how is that relevant to our lives today? Because we're still fighting this battle. We're still fighting this battle, even individually, even myself, even internally. What's the battle? Am I going to put the deeper truth that I know to be true as my priority over the physical desires and the physical aesthetics and the things I want and the things I, you know, that I think are going to make me feel good and look good? And am I going to, sw- am I going to betray my deeper values for something superficial? And this can go for, in your relationships. It can go with who, you, who you're drawn to. We were just talking about this. I was just saying this to someone else, like going for the looks, you know, over the... Di- oh, it was you. We were discussing this workshop. The idea of not going for the... Fi- I mean, when you were saying it, I was thinking, oh, that's so the Hanukkah message, right? Of like not going for the, just the looks in someone and going for something deeper. This workshop she, she went to was, uh, was talking about that and, and looking for the deeper qualities and not betraying that for the superficial, which is so seductive. That's the battle of Hanukkah. 
right? And we're still battling it. And, like not, and also then on a deeper level, owning our own Judaism, owning our own Jewish identity and owning that, that purity, that those values that we know are true and, and not letting the, the culture that we live in stamp that out or make us ignore it or make us distracted from it. Bless you. Bless you. Um, when I was younger uh, in Australia, my father's a Holocaust, was a Holocaust survivor. So there was a deep sense of shame that you know, we're Jewish, that it was just bad to be Jewish. I wanted to ignore the fact that we were Jewish. Completely, completely ignore it. I was the best, like non-Jew you could find. Right? I was just so assimil- like so assimilated. I didn't want to acknowledge any part of that. But that was that same feeling that I, ha- I was stamping it out in myself. Right? I-, I didn't want anything to do with it, and it wasn't conscious. It was just part of the product of, of I guess my father's experience in the Holocaust. Um, but ironically, we had very strong Jewish values that I didn't know were Jewish. I just thought they were like our family's values, right? which many, I found many, many, many people experience this in their families. And they don't call it Jewish values or let alone Torah values, but they're totally Torah values, right? That you can trace back in the family. Um, okay, so uh, I guess I was wanted to try a little experiment for those of you that are game. Do, does, does everyone like donuts? Yeah, would everyone have a bite of a donut? No, you don't have to eat a whole donut, but would you have a bite of a donut for the sake of an experiment? Sure. Yeah, okay. So. If you must. Huh? If you so bring it, can, you, can you possibly... Do we have a knife? <coughs> Anywhere? Um, I want to like break up these donuts into pieces so we can have a, just a bite each. Meantime, while she's doing yeah. that, or could you, would you mind trying to work out that challenge of cutting up the donuts into... Yeah. So that everyone just gets a bite and yeah. then put it on there. But yeah. Um, meanwhile, while they're doing that, if you can take your eyes off the donuts... Um, to come up with your three values, deeper values that you really passionately believe in. You think of one or two even, it doesn't have to be three, but one or two values that you believe in really strongly that you think if the whole world did lived from this value, it would be a different place. It would be a world of peace. It would be a world of, of uh, morality. It would be a world of righteousness, whatever it is. You pick one or two values that you feel are really, really, really important that yeah, and it doesn't really matter what they are. Everyone usually has roughly similar kind of values, but yeah. pick one or two values you passionately feel that if the whole world lived like this and from this value, it would be a radically different place. Do you have it? You have the value? Yes? So I want you to actually like close your eyes for a minute and just, no, we're not doing a meditation fully yet, but I just want you to imagine really feel into that, that value and feel what, what the world would be like and how that feels inside of you and imagine the whole world living from this value system and how you passionately believe in it and feel that this would be the most incredible thing for humankind. And really focus on that value. Notice how you experience that in your body, the sensation of that how you yearn for it, how clear it is to you. And just notice in your body how how that feels. Where do you feel that? What sensations do you feel? How badly do you want it? Okay. How are we going to do that? Oh, amazing. Look at this. Bless you. Okay.
So I just want you to take a take a take a donut. I mean a, a bite. I mean take a piece of the donuts. Now, don't eat it yet. Just hold it. There's more. There's more. Great job, Sabrina. Thanks so that much. That was really amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Robin, for the creative uh, situation. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So notice, notice the desire to eat it. And are they dairy? I, I don't know. Are the they dairy? Par, par probably. And um, par. Okay. And just again, I want you to close your eyes and just get complete clarity on that value. And as you're getting clarity on that value, I want you to take a bite into the donut and see what happens to your focus. See if you can keep your attention on that value and how much you believe in that value and how much you want in the world and how much the world will be a better place and how amazing is it. And notice the difference of the value you're focusing on as you're eating. Ooh, that jam, and now it oozes out into your mouth. And just notice where your attention goes. Now try and if, you, if it came away from the value and it went to the donut, just take it back to the value for a minute <laughs> and see what happens. How hard is that to focus back on the value with your mouth full of sugar and jam and deliciousness? Focus on the value, how much the world would be a better place. I want that so badly. Someone's at the door waving. She wants donuts. <laughs> Great. <laughs> just take, again, just take your attention back. Focus on the value. People, some people are given up completely. No, what, what did you notice? It's distracting. Or it's foggy. Yeah. It's what? Foggy. 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 Yeah. No, I'm Australian, so I'm having yeah. to do it, so I understand. It, like it goes foggy. Exactly. It goes foggy. So when you have the physical... Did anyone else experience that? It wasn't even foggy. It went away. It yeah, completely went away. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. Meaning when the physical desire is there, no matter how clear you are in your higher value system... Oh, oh, oh wow. Hi. Welcome. Oh my gosh, I haven't seen you in forever. Yeah, it's couch and two chairs. Oh my gosh, it's so good to see you. I got back today. Oh wow. Wow. I was like, oh. I didn't see who it was. I was just waving at anyone. Okay, continue. Oh my gosh. We just did a donut meditation. Perfect. But I'm happy to repeat it any time with you. Uh, we were talking, we were focusing on a value, and some people felt that when they focusing on their highest value, that they, that would they think it would be amazing if the world was coming from this value. As they bit into the donut, it went foggy, or for some people, it actually completely disappeared, which is not uncommon, by the way. It's uh, it's very com- what, what did everyone else, what did other people experience? You were just eating. Can't you were just eating. Yeah. That's what I learned. Yeah. I just think it was like something serious and then something silly and mm-hmm. combine them together and it just, there's no combination there. And like mm-hmm. I wasn't able to focus on like this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like I want to eat this donut and I'm thinking about 
this serious thing and I'm like, ah, what a, uh. Uh, right, because they're completely like chalk and cheese. Yeah. They don't mix. Yeah. At, at any one moment, you're either focused on ruchnia, spirituality, or physicality. When you're in physicality, it's nearly impossible to stay as connected to your spirituality. And there is a principle in Judaism that says that to the degree that I am connected to my spirituality, to that degree I won't value the physicality, right? And it goes like a seesaw. So people are focused totally on, on that artificial materialism, whatever. So it's very hard for them to access the spirituality. And even just with this tiny little kind of a funny joke of an exercise, it's not something silly eating. We need to eat and we enjoy food and we're meant to enjoy food. There's nothing wrong with enjoying food. But you can't hold both at the same time in the same way. And this was part of the battle with the, with the Greeks, right? And then you see it within, within ourselves that it's very, very hard. If we in, overindulge in the physical, physical desire is not silly, it's just that when they're together, you, you can't, right? You can't, you, can't, you can't have both. So if I really want to stay connected to my higher value, I have to be brave enough to dampen a little bit my physical, my physical indulgence, right? Not overly be excessive, not, you know, n- have limits to it. And when you have limits to it, then it'll create space for your spirituality. And people don't realize that, that it's actually a, a spiritual mechanism in the world like that, that it's like a seesaw. Right? That's why there is an idea that here, physicality is so easy, Amazon, like in five seconds, right? We're so used to this ease and this, and at the same time, it's harder to access spirituality and stay connected to the spiritual here. But in Israel, we know that the whole soul's in the foreground and it's everyone like, it's just like, it's in the, it's in the air, the spirituality and the physicality is a challenge. The physicality is a challenge in Israel. Getting around, doing stuff, just going shopping, the basic things that we take granted here physically are harder there but spirituality is like in your hand yes have you experienced that yeah. you felt yeah. that yeah it's um, right yeah. depends where you are yeah. <laughs> in Israel no, but you're right about that it's harder over there like, harder physically out. but yeah. spiritually much easier to access yeah. and to feel your soul if you want to everyone has free choice anywhere in the world yeah. but in Israel if you want it it is there it's right there your soul is like brought into the foreground and the physicality is pushed into the background they can't coexist at the same level so the, the battle of Hanukkah, of Hanukkah is this battle of, of purely making the physical the ideal or staying connected to your, to your Torah values, your spiritual values, your Jewish values, and, and making a choice to not let that be dampened and to die. Right? At the end of the day, we know that actually makes you the most happy anyway. Right? You achieve your potential that way. Everyone wants to achieve their potential in this lifetime, and you achieve your potential by staying true to your values. Right? At the end of the day, the, no, matter, no matter what amount of physicality and materialism you get and you enjoy on the physical level, it does not even come close. Right? We all know this. If you ever did the right thing and it was hard, you feel like a million bucks. It, it, nothing replaces that. No physical thing would ever replace, physical pleasure would ever replace the feeling of standing up for the right thing or doing the right thing. And the harder that was to do, the more reward you feel inside how like, wow, I did it. It's awesome, right? That's why people want to accomplish big things like uh, climbing Mount Everest or doing extreme things, right? There's a feeling of the reward is according to the effort. So, um, so, so too, so too with us in our own spiritual, spiritual challenges. So, yeah. I feel like it's not just physical or spiritual. Like if you look at Judaism and you have mitzvot, a lot of them are physical. Like even Hanukkah, like lighting the Hanukkah, uh, like. I'm not playing drizzles and mitzvah, but like that's something physical, and a lot of other mitzvot are very physical, and like 
even if you're not thinking about it spiritually, you're still doing the mitzvah. So you are doing something physical and spiritual at the same time. Excellent. So this is like you're like the advanced level here, which is that the, all the physical mitzvot, though, are a, an expression of what's meant to be an intention to connect the physical to the mm-hmm. spiritual, meaning the job of a Jew, the whole purpose of a Jew is to engage the physical world and elevate it, meaning and not stop just with the engaging of the physical world. So it's true. You could technically do a mitzvah mindlessly and not think of anything spiritual and just do it. And it's better to do that than not do it. Right? It's better to do that than not do it. However, I don't want to be like dampener on things. You don't get the same spiritual connection and you don't get the same oomph with, with if you don't have... The, the kavana, the intention, is extremely important. It's extremely important. Your intention is everything. Not just with mitzvot, anything you do in life. It all comes down to what is your intention. Right? So that's why we're not allowed to judge other people. We're not allowed to judge other people because we don't really know someone's intention and we don't know what they are capable of. Yeah, we, we, we just don't know. So we're, not, we're obligated to judge favorably because the average person is a, is a decent person, not trying to be bad or, right? or, or evil or whatever. But, um, but it's all about the intent. And the intent is that I'm using this physical act to elevate the, spirit, the, the physical to the spiritual or to connect myself spiritually. So I once asked my rabbi, does that mean before every single mitzvah I have to think I'm doing this to elevate it to the spiritual or I'm doing this for a mitzvah to connect to you, God? Or like, I said, that's like intense. Like, I'm not going to think that all day long, right? With every mitzvah. So what, what do you do? Bless you. What do you do? And he said, no. He said, it's enough in the morning. You wake up and you say, everything I do today, I want to do to connect to you. Everything I do today, I want to do to elevate the physical to the spiritual. Everything I do today, I want to make a mitzvah. I want to like elevate it. I want to... So as long as you have that general intention for the day, it covers kind of everything in a way. You don't have to stop every single time, but the intention is really, really important. Um, that the physical is being used as a vessel for that intention, as opposed to just doing it for the physical on its own. Does that make sense? Um, so eating food, lighting the, chanuk, the, the lighting the menorah is really, even though it's a it's a physical act, but we're acknowledging a lot in that act. Right about our own spiritual light and about there's a whole me- there's a whole metaphor there of uh, the the candle right being connected to our soul. Nefesh is the lowest level of the soul, and ner is a candle. Patil is the wick, I think, and the shemen is the oil, which spells out nefesh, right? Ner, patil, shemen. The first letter of each is your soul. So the candle is a deeper reflection of your soul when you look at the menorah. And what are, we, what are we acknowledging when we light the menorah? We're acknowledging that we're honoring the soul first and we're not going to squash our spiritual light for the sake of the physical. So as you light your menorah this week, you can have that in mind that I'm, putting, I'm choosing to put my soul first. I'm choosing to put my soul, my spirituality as my, my top priority. I'm not going to let it get squashed and, and dampened by the physical world, which is the battle of Hanukkah, right? So that, and that is our battle every day, right? Every day, right? That, that's still the battle. So that's why we know in, in Jewish holidays, we only celebrate things that are relevant to us now in the moment, that are, are part of our day-to-day relevant life now, not just some ancient nice story that happened, right? Even though it did happen, that's not, it's not historical commemoration only. Um, Yes.
Yeah. Okay, so how are we doing for time? All right. Um, the one other theme, so that was the one theme I wanted to just highlight, focus on, and also then what, what intention you can have when you light the menorah. Um, the other one is, which was a, a thing I read on Shabbat, which was amazing, is that you know, if you look at Alanisim, Alanisim is the little thing we say when you're, it, it, during Hanukkah, it's like a little addition in the, in the prayers and everything. It focuses a lot on the war that we won. Right, they're the miracle of the war that we won this war, and uh, um, and it, it focuses on all of that. So then, but we know that the other miracle that we're celebrating, the other miracle is what? What's the other miracle we're celebrating? Hanukkah. The light. The light. The, the, the light. What? Lasted. Lasted for eight days. So that's the miracle. So which is it? It doesn't even mention that hardly at all in the, in the prayer, right? So is it, is it the war or is it the, is it the candle for eight days? Like, right? What, what's going on? So the Maharal says that um, it's actually both, obviously. Everything's both, right? If there's ever an argument in Judaism, it's always both. Um, but why, why, so how do they fit together? He says that during the war, it was very easy to think it was natural that we won. Okay, it was a bit freaky, we shouldn't have won. We were up against huge armies, organized armies, and we were like just totally disorganized and we weren't even, we weren't even soldiers. But in the, in the moment, in the day-to-day, it's easy to feel like it was natural. So what happened was there was then a supernatural miracle following it straight away, right, of the lighting of the oil. They knew that was supernatural. There was enough oil for one day and it lasted for eight days. And that supernatural uh, experience triggered them to realize in retrospect, looking back, that that was also a miracle that they won the war, right? That it, they needed the supernatural miracle of the oil to kind of get out of themselves enough to realize there was something supernatural going on, that, oh my gosh, that was really supernatural that we just experienced, even though the day-to-day, it didn't look like there was any massive miracle that happened. So, so too in our own lives, and this is again the theme of Hanukkah here, which I thought was really important and powerful, is to be able to see the divine in your life in the mundane. In the mundane, when it looks like it's not a big deal. It just looks like it's like, okay, oh, that, oh, you know, how random, we say, right? So random. No, right? So just so random, happened to be here, Ortal, right? No, right? That it, it looks like it's just, it just happened. I just met this person and that person. Nope. Right? And to be able to step out and say, That's, this is actually, there's a divine process here. So I'll give you an example just from my week this week. I wanted to stay for a wedding in LA. I had two students getting married to each other and, and I knew both of them really well. I know both of them very well. And then I wasn't sure if I should stay five days and wait for the wedding as I was already in LA and it was a long time to wait in LA. And I thought, you know, I'm not spending hundreds of dollars to change my flight. I'd already booked my flight a long time ago to come back. So I said, whatever, like, I don't think I'll stay. But I was really torn because deep down I really think I wanted to, to be there for the, for the wedding. So the next day, this was Tuesday this week, uh, I get an email from Delta saying, due to bad weather in New York, uh, you know, where your flight might be delayed, so we're letting you change all your t- seats for free. So I was like, oh, cool. Like, that's great. I look up the weather in New York. There's no bad weather at all in New York on <laughs> Wednesday at all. There was no snowstorm. There was no wind. There was no rain. 
like bad weather in New York. Like so, we, like I look at AccuWeather, nothing. There's no bad weather in New York. Delta's just telling me that my flight could be delayed and I could change it for free. So I said, great. Okay, I'm gonna take this as a sign. Did I tell you this. I didn't take. I did tell you this. So I call Delta and I say, you know, I, I you know, I think I want to stay for a wedding and I do the weather advisory notice I got. You said you, I can change it for free. They said, yeah. I said, great. So this is wet for. I'm changing it from Wednesday and I want to go home on Sunday. They said, oh, I'm so sorry. They said it's a three-day weather advisory window that we allow for changes for free. Like after three days, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't work. And the system won't let us do it. Like it's a three-day locked into the policy. I was like, come on, I'm platinum medallion. Can't you just like give me a break? Like give me one extra day, you know? She's like, I would, but I don't, I don't have clearance. Let me check with my supervisor. So she calls, goes to a supervisor, and I'm like saying, Hashem, you can do anything. Hashem, like, you come on. Like, you know, if, I, I, I didn't even beg. I just said, if, this is, if you want me to stay, you'll, you'll let me stay. If not, I'm not paying hundreds of dollars to stay, right? That was my, my deal in the, in the moment she's speaking to the supervisor. I'm like, I'm just going to accept whatever. Anyway, so she comes back on and she says, I'm so sorry. She said, my supervisor said we can't. It's three days. We can only do three days. It's like it's not his choice. It's this policy of Delta. And I'm like, okay, like I said, nothing I can do. And he goes, I said, that's just crazy. We can put you out on the last flight on Saturday night. I said, it doesn't help me, the wedding Sunday. Mm-hmm. So she said, I'm so sorry, I would do it, but we just can't. And I said, okay. She said, listen, we could probably waive the change fee, but not the difference in fare. So I said, okay, can you just check how much the difference in fare would be? She said, yeah, I'll check for you. So she's checking and she goes, oh, oh, wait, this is so weird. And I'm like, what? She goes, it's letting me putting you through on the weather advisory, even though it's four days. I'm just going to do it. I'm not going to tell my supervisor. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, got it. Thanks so much. So against all Delta policy and against the whole thing, against the supervisor, she changes my ticket. for fr- Now, you could just go, wow, how awesome, random, ah, right? Or you could see that there's, you know, God's work. God's in there. You know, God's in the mundane. It doesn't have to be a big miracle, right? But do we, do we notice God in the mundane? Do we see God the light in the darkness, right? The light in the day-to-day that seems like nothing big, no big deal. That's also a very, very powerful experience of Hanukkah and of, I guess, refocusing. So I felt like that would be good to do some meditation on. Um, and, uh, and just to get some clarity. Okay, should we do, it? Should we do something? Okay, so just get comfortable. Uh,